Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. So certainly it's been a story that's dominated the week. These protests that have been happening uh, across the country. And look, when we talk about these protests, we're talking about a lot of different things, a lot of different situations in a lot of different parts of the country. And I think some are of more concern than others. Uh, and I think we should be careful to, to note those distinctions. But obviously, the, the situation now created as a result of these rail blockades is having a considerable economic impact. Uh, via rail has shut down its trains right across the country. CN Rail has had to shut down its Eastern Canada network. Uh, there is obviously concern about being able to move product. Uh, certainly farmers are very concerned about their ability uh, to export product. There's been a lot of concern raised about the shipment of chemicals like chlorine that's used to treat water, shipment of, of chemicals like propane. Quebec's very concerned about their propane supplies. So it's, it's certainly having an impact. And to me, that, that, that stands out as a top priority, needs to be a top priority right now for the government, is not to shut down the protests, uh, but certainly to ensure that rail traffic can move, right? So these blockades, I think, to me, pretty clearly cross a line. But where are those lines when it comes to what you're legally allowed to do at a protest? As a lot of people have pointed out, uh, the, the sort of thing that an individual might get in trouble for, if you're doing so in, in the form of a protest, maybe you can get away with it. Maybe for a certain amount of time you can get away with it. We saw those protests that were blocking government buildings uh, in Victoria, B.C. Did those cross the line? Protests in other cities uh, where we've seen activists blocking traffic, blocking bridges. Did those cross the line? And is civil disobedience something unique or is it just a fancy way of describing an illegal protest? Well, joining us to talk more about some of these issues, as well as some of the environmental issues related to the Coastal Gasoline Project, very pleased to welcome to the program uh, Blair King, a BC-based environmental scientist with an interest in energy policy. More at his website, at chemistinlangley.net. Blair, great to talk to you again here. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's interesting because you've got a, a fascinating piece up today on this whole question of peaceful protest versus illegal protest and where civil disobedience fits into all of that. I mean, from, from your understanding, I mean, how clear are these lines, Blair? Well, the lines are pretty clear. There's a, a distinct difference between what is described as civil disobedience and uncivil obedience. Uncivil obedience was is the protest that you conduct that follows the rule of law and makes life uncomfortable for the people in charge but doesn't break the law. Civil disobedience, by definition, is designed around the idea of breaking the law and taking and accepting the consequences for breaking the law. 
So when we look across the country and what we've seen in, in the past week or so, or just over a week, rail blockades, you know, traffic disruptions. We saw briefly blockages of ported, uh, ports rather in, in uh, the lower mainland there and blocking government offices. I mean, are, are we talking about illegal protests for the most part? Well, for the most part, those tend to be illegal uh, protests. You cannot... If in Vancouver they had bike action weeks where where cyclists went on the road and and blocked all the lanes cycling down the road, that's legal. A bike is allowed on the road and is allowed to go at bike speeds along uh, along a lane. And if they block a lane, that's fine. If a pedestrian crosses a crosswalk, they can block traffic momentarily. If you physically stand in a roadway and block traffic for a prolonged period of time you've crossed over the and you are creating a disturbance you are if you're on a highway you're blocking a highway both of those are activities that are against the line that's fall over into the end of civil disobedience and for and historically have been we the authorities have treated people who do civil disobedience with kid gloves because for the most part there the thought is that if it's temporary it's not a big thing but recognize that anytime you conduct civil disobedience the potential exists that the police could choose instead to enforce the law and then the punishment will be meted out according to the criminal code right so the idea that there's a right to civil disobedience that, that there really isn't is there no absolutely not the constitution gives us the right to uncivil obedience, to following the rules and protesting. We're allowed under the Constitution uh, to have a, a freedom of conscience, freedom of expression, freedom of assembly, freedom of association. These are all what are part of a legal protest. When you, when you cross over into illegality, that's not a, that's not a right given to anyone. You aren't given the right to break the law. If you choose to break the law, there will there are potential consequences of doing so. Do you think these activist groups don't understand the law, or they don't care about the law, or I don't know, maybe is it a combination of the two? It's absolutely a combination of the two. I listen to people saying, well, I was just standing in the way. And the quick answer is that just standing in the way goes from an inconvenience to a uh, to a crime if you continue to do so and do so in a manner uh, that blocks a legal means of movement. Uh, there are, if you, those, the activists who are standing on the steps of the legislature, depending on how you want to define it, may have been uh, uh, involved in a, a form of assault, or they may have been doing what's called common nuisance, which is Sounds very, very minor, but actually is an indictable offense that could get you up to two years in jail and give you a permanent criminal record. Uh, and that's the thing that people don't understand. You can't, you can't simply stand in front of someone and block their way. That's part, part of our civilized society says that we will make space for others and allow others to go, get along with their lives without disruption. Obviously, I mean, you know, police and prosecutors understand these laws. So is it a case of resources, that we don't have enough resources to, to charge everybody? Is it a case of prosecutors 
not not convinced that they can make these charges stick? Or, I mean, is there some political influence? Because I think a lot of Canadians are wondering, well, why, why aren't we enforcing these laws then? Well, the simple answer is that for the most part, we don't, our society hasn't wanted police to actively enforce these laws because it's a lot of money and a lot of expense for very little uh, return. And reasonably speaking, most of the time when people engage in civil disobedience, they do so for short periods of time and our society's decided, or our government at least, has decided it's not worth the time and effort to enforce the law. But as they showed at the clay quad back in 93, sometimes the government changes its mind. And, and when at the clay quad, they arrested 900 odd people and, uh, a ho- and several hundred of them spent weeks in jail and got permanent criminal records. So the government can at any moment decide to enforce the law. They just historically have chosen not to because it's polit- politically expedient and it's inconvenient to do so. But they, they they did make arrests, though. I think it was at the Delta port, wasn't it? They arrested a few dozen people there. So that, that also makes it seem as though, well, okay, if there's a, a will, we can move in. But well, there, there, There's two different things. They often don't arrest and then do a catch and release, where they arrest and then release without charge or release on your own recognizance with a, a further requirement not to break the law. But... but in other cases, they may arrest and charge. Uh, the, a lot of the time, the police argue that they need an enforcement order, which is why when our government recently had the, had the court the, the, at the legislature, the judge gave them an order and then proceeded to uh, give them an enforcement order so that the police didn't have to... Sometimes the police will demand that they be given an enforcement order to enforce a, a decision by the courts. And in this case, they gave them both to ensure that these people follow the, uh, follow the rules to the best of their... that the police actually are forced to act on the court's requirements. Yeah. We're speaking with environmental scientist Blair King, his website at chemistinlangley.net. Blair, we've talked before about this coastal gasoline project or the LNG Canada project and the idea of exporting liquefied natural gas to Asia and the environmental benefits that that might bring. I mean, it's it's interesting that we've got a lot of environmental groups who are part of these protests, even the idea that somehow there's going to be a constitutional challenge launched against this pipeline because of our, our Paris climate commitments. I mean, what, what do you make of, of some of the arguments you've been seeing in recent days on, on the environmental side of things? On the environmental side, most of the arguments are pretty lame. Uh, they, they, de- they show a, a, a misunderstanding of climate science and a misunderstanding of what's happening. Uh, there was one a series of protesters were, in, uh, were interviewed and they were talking about how this was a bitumen pipeline. It's like, no, this is a natural gas pipeline. They're saying, well, if it spills, there'll be oil spill. And it's no, it's a natural gas pipeline. You cannot get an oil spill from a natural gas pipeline. Right. Uh, so there is a lack of knowledge among the protesters because, frankly, a lot of them are, they, they have been told that things are bad and they are acting without really becoming fully informed. The Wet'suwet'en have clear internal challenges as to the legitimacy of the pipeline and there are there are questions but the 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 protesters appear to have decided that one side is correct and the other side is not 
and it's the equivalent of mommy and mom and dad are fighting and everyone and the protesters have decided that dad's dad makes the decisions and therefore he's in charge and they ignore the fact that there are differences of opinions within that community there's even differences of opinions as to whether or not three of the five hereditary chiefs who oppose the project are actually legitimate hereditary chiefs these are this is stuff that is way beyond our understanding because these people have these people have their community they have legitimate rights to control over their lands and it is up to them to make these decisions but the activists have decided that they like one side of the argument better than the other and so they've taken what is a gray uh, gray story and turned it into a black and white where they are of course on the side of the angels and the other side are evil and bad yeah well, I mean, there, there was one clip yesterday. Uh, one of our colleagues with Global News in BC was talking to some of the, some of the protesters. One of them was convinced that this was a bitumen pipeline, right? Exactly. As they say, it's, there is a, a, a severe lack of understanding among the protesters. They, they don't understand that LNG actually has the potential to reduce global climate emissions by replacing coal and what's called synthetic natural gas that's being used in Asia. And the, the, the peer-reviewed research makes it clear that DC natural gas has, is actually sufficiently clean and sufficiently low emissions. It could reduce overall emission, energy emissions by about 40% over the facilities that it, that it would replace. This is good for the global environment, but if you're a second-year undergrad at, at University of uh, UBC or SFU, and someone said, let's go protest yeah. because they're doing bad things and it's bad for greenhouse gases, a lot of the times they're going to go, yes, that sounds like a great idea, and they go do it. Well, we're going to read your piece today on the uh, civil disobedience question, much more as well on some of the issues around uh, liquefied natural gas and this project in particular. Again, it's a chemist in Langley.net. Uh, Blair, always appreciate your insight on this stuff, and thanks so much for making some time for us here today. Thanks for having me on. All the best to you. That is uh, Blair King, environmental scientist, a chemist in Langley.net. Uh, so his thoughts on uh, some of the issues that we're all kind of uh, grappling with this week uh, around protest and limits to legal peaceful protest and also the debate around the coastal gasoline pipeline, the LNG Canada plant itself. Uh, we'll take a short break here. We're going to come back. Got some other news to get to. we got some time for your phone calls here this afternoon as well. Coming up a little bit later on today, we'll touch on the, the news uh, out of the uh, Edmonton Eskimos, basically that they are going to remain. Uh, the Edmonton Eskimos after spending a considerable amount of time studying and gathering feedback on whether to change that famous name. So much more still to get to uh, get to here this afternoon. My name is Rob Breckenridge. Back with more right after that. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.